Is it my mic? I love it. Is it the mic? The working? mic works great. Is it working okay? It yeah, as long as you're not six feet away from it. We're gonna be like that. What like, did I you expect? We just, I thought we just talked about having like humane. You asked a question, discourse. I answered. The microphone works great, especially when you're not six feet away from it. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Metacasters. It was kind of interesting today. Josh and I, we meet and we like we struggled a little bit mm-hmm. today to get a topic, but then we landed on something uh, leadership related and communication. Uh, how do leaders communicate? So with that teaser, uh, and what does good and bad look like? I'll use those two terms. Yeah. And how to do how to be more how to do more good. Did I get it, Josh? I think so. Can we go on to the... On to the episode? On to the episode. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Don't, don't. I mean, we're like three seconds into the episode. What did I do, Josh? And already, you're mocking me. I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. So, everybody out there, prior to us deciding to actually start the episode... What happened, Josh? Bob was giving me a hard time about trying to maintain an even tone. And here we are. Where are we, Josh? We're 35 seconds into the episode. And I hope that's a good guess. And I'm just being, I'm just trying to keep an even keel. No, you were giving me a hard time about not having passion. Are you saying that I'm mocking you? Yes, I am, Bob. Perhaps. Let me consider it thoughtfully. <laughs> I don't think you've ever used those words. I don't think so, ever. (laughs) Metacasters. Hey. So, speaking of using those words ever before. Yes, sir. Bob's got a great topic today. Well, we were, Josh and I were talking about it. It's, it's phrases. This actually came out of this moose herd. I think, where did this come from? I was either, oh, I know what it was. I was teaching an online cow class Mm -hmm. and we were, and someone brought up, do leaders have anti-patterns in their speech uh, that are really like deflection patterns or not helpful patterns? And they were looking for, and, and what we were doing is, is practicing communication with leaders. And, um, and my initial response in the class was no. I, I mean, I don't know if there's like, you know, a list of these things. But then I started thinking about it, and I think there, I think there is like the one one that comes jumps to my mind is don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. So that's an example of what the folks in the class were talking about. You know, you go to a leader, you're trying to communicate to a leader, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're trying to have a conver- a crucial conversation about something. Like the project is in trouble, and and you're and you're desperately looking for a partner in that leader, and they espouse that. And, and and then they deflect. Maybe it's a deflection pattern or something like that. So that's what we talk. So metacasters, that's what we wanted to talk about is maybe explore some common deflection patterns 
uh, leadership deflection patterns where people are saying things and what's the danger? Leaders are using them as a deflection. Uh, and then maybe, you know, what are some of the recipes to work around it? Or so maybe there's detection first and then how could you work around it or how do you handle that? Mm -hmm. So I've got two things specific to that phrase. Okay. I do believe there's value in leaders taking that approach. Oh, Oh, now, this, now this is the way I want to start yeah. a metacast. Now, did you notice how perky I got just I then? did. Your emotion, right, apparently, because I, I don't have any. <laughs> Your emotion. <laughs> Uh-oh, I did it. He just had a drink. <laughs> that was so close. <laughs> oh, this would never happen if we were virtual. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> Your emotion. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, all right. I will try and recenter, So you think it's Bob. appropriate? I think there are times when it's appropriate. Oh, no, that, I am just saying tell, that, that as, a, as a leader, it can't be, like we've talked about so many times, it can't be a silver bullet and one size fits all. There are times where I have said to members of my team, what are the options? And they're just like, I don't know. You have to have all the answers. And it's like, oh, no. Like, no, I buy that. Right. So that, so what I'm trying to say is don't ever like completely take that out of your brain as a leader. There's times where it's appropriate to push back on your team and say, what do you think we should do? And that often happens when you're coming in and doing a transformation where they've never been asked that. So now you're trying to teach them how to be leaders themselves and how to come up with ideas. The key is then it's got to be a dialogue. Yeah. Right. And so that's where I think the value comes is like, come with something, come with some idea and then let's work together. And I think the thing that you're talking about is, is when leaders are like, listen, come with an answer or don't come at all and don't bother me because so that's, that's your job. So that's the point. That's, that's the anti-pattern. That's the deflection pattern in this case, right? Is don't, don't approach me. So I'm not your partner, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's not like in your case that you may not know. So it's actually fair for the leader to say, I don't know. Can we work on this together? Right. Or I don't know. Can you and the, can you and the team put your thinking hats on and spend a little bit more time on this? I, I just don't know. No, this is different. This is, this is like, uh, talk to the hands sort of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. This is a talk to the hand pattern. Um, the reason I get so passionate about it is I work for leaders that say that have these catchphrases that they say, and it's a deflection mechanism or it's a, it's an indication of their mindset, right? And they don't want to engage their team. They don't, they're not part of the solutioning, right? They're just, they're just demanding. And I think that's an unhealthy part of it. Have you ever worked for someone like that? It sounds like no. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I've ever had anybody that's like stiff armed me like that. Um, which is potentially how I've ended up the way I am is that there's always been some sort of dialogue. Now, part of that was I was raised pretty early. Like I, like I heard that early in my career of never just go with a problem because what value are you adding then? Like 
show that you've thought, you've contemplated, you have ideas about how to solve the problem, but you're looking for a partner. You're looking for somebody that you can work together and figure out what the right answer is. So very early in my career, that was taught to me of, hey, like here's a here's what good engineers do. They aren't um, – when they hit a brick wall, they don't just throw their hands up and give up and like, boss, save me. Right, like that see, was. See, and I disagree. Uh, again, I'm I'm balanced. I I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying, but I actually think it's okay for an engineer to say I don't know. Yeah, like three out of ten times. Um, so that logic would say that you have to bring a solution a hundred percent of the time to a leader. Mm-hmm. And and I actually think you know let's use ten out of every ten times, three or four times. If you are truly hit a, a a brick wall, or even if it's a date, forget solutioning. Like we can't deliver this by the date that you've asked, mm-hmm. right? So that so this is all inclusive. This isn't just design work, right? This isn't just solution. This is yeah, like right, right. We need this by tomorrow, Josh. Or hey, I've I've got this team member that I can't work with. Yeah. I have no freaking idea how to handle the situation. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that and that. So to me, that's. Why I go back to it's not never use this or always use this. It's understand that there's times where it's appropriate and there's times where it's completely unfair for a leader to expect this person that has never been experienced in the thing they're trying to tackle to have an answer. Just help the poor person, right? They're they're they're, and, they're begging. And what I'm what I'm saying is some leaders have gotten into a habit, and it could be bad leadership. It could be leaders who were modeled. They had a bad mm-hmm. mentor mm-hmm. or whatever, but some leaders actually have that's in that they're wired that way. Right. They're like, so they, they want solu- folks to bring solutions almost independent of it. And I'm like, that's an anti pattern to mm-hmm. me. That's a leadership communication anti pattern when you're yeah. wired that yeah. way. Whether it's, you know, just you don't know any better or you're maliciously like malicious is maybe too strong, but you're just. You know, you're lazy. You're yeah, not leading. Yeah, that that that's the thought that came to my mind was it's lazy. And as I was thinking about where we can take this next, it just feels like there's no situational awareness of the moment of I'm a robot. I have this response. When somebody comes with a problem, if there's not an answer, go away and come back when there's an answer, then we'll figure it out. But it's like the world's too complicated the world of teamwork and software engineering is too complicated to expect every member of your team to have all or a reasonable set of answers for everything that comes at them. Right. And you have to engage. You have to actually do something. Right. Which is what we're, what we're painting is we're painting a picture of the type of leaders that are untrained or unwilling to help their teams effectively. And it actually becomes part of the culture. You, yeah. I've seen like, yeah. don't, you know, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. It's not just an individual leader stance. It becomes a pervasive part of the leadership culture yeah. in a company. Another one I've seen, uh, and I don't know what to do about it. I mean, I think you can, you can challenge the leader. I mean, what I've done is had crucial conversations and said, I honestly don't know. Mm-hmm. I need you as a partner. So mm-hmm. maybe this is a work a workaround. And it's not guaranteed. To any, there's nothing special about it. But really cut to the chase and just say, look, I, I honestly, like the personnel issue, yeah. I honestly right. don't know what to do. You can, I can bring you solutions. They're going to be made up. I have no clue. 
I might be asking people in the street, do you really want me to, uh, you know, air, you know, airing our dirty laundry in the streets? Right. Right. Or can you sit down and help me? Now, I think the posture is it's not a it's not feed me. It's like partnership. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking for you to do my job for me. I'm looking to work with you so I can learn how to handle this. So it's like a mentoring mentee mm-hmm. relationship. Uh, maybe that's the way to approach it. But I've I've seen folks that just get obstinate and say, "No, you don't understand. You have to bring me a solution, right?" Uh, and it's and that's the de facto answer. I don't know if there's a silver bullet workaround for that, other than not bring them the solution. <laughs> no, I think the approach that you shared is a good one. Of I don't have any experience doing this. Yeah, I have never been presented with this problem. So. I feel like I could take a guess, but it's not going to be much more than that. And yeah. I'm worried that we're just wasting time. Absolutely. So how can we, how can we work together? How can I learn from you? Whatever it might be. Now the problem comes in when that person's like, I don't know. I've never been there. But then at that point, then you really have to work together. As a you team. have to work together as a team and try yeah. to solution together. So another one that I've encountered, and I'm trying to prime you to see what, mm-hmm. if you've encountered any of these uh, I remember years ago, Hank White, I probably used his name on the Metacast a few times. Hank was an ex-IBMer. He was the CEO of the company I worked at. I was the VP of development. And Hank Hank would wear me down. And there, and, and he's not the only one. So where I call it death by a thousand questions. Mm-hmm. Where, where the leader, I think, is appearing to be curious. But what they're doing is asking you questions to change your mind. So if I came to you and I said, Josh, I can repaint your house in three weeks, you could you could subject me to death by a thousand questions. Well, Bob, why is it three weeks? How right. long is it going to take to do the door? Uh, can you paint the door, the doorknob? Can you do that in two seconds? Oh, okay. Can you do the the, the shutters in three seconds? Yeah. Now I'm adding this up. Can you do... Uh, how about mixing yeah. paint? If I mix the paint for you, would that reduce by three days? Because I buy pre-mixed paint for you. Uh, what about this? What about that? What about that? What about this? What about that? What about that? And it's really, it's not, so it, it's it's feigned curiosity and it's all the questions are directed and they'll stop. The minute I, the minute I tell you, Josh, I can paint your house in a day, you will stop asking questions, right? right? So it's the questions are like probing and they're sort of micromanagement questions and things like that. Have you ever encountered, and I mean, I've encountered folks like quite a few folks and it's hard to. I don't know. It, uh, sometimes you, you misperceive it as curiosity mm-hmm. and you start answering and you answering, but at some point it never ends. Right. Right. Until you, it, it, it so they are trying to get the sum of the parts to equal the number they want. Mm-hmm. That That's ultimately what they're trying to do in some fashion. Yeah. Absolutely. So my counterpoint is I have coached people to speak only in questions before. Really? Yes. And here's why. So oftentimes I've run into teams where there's a really strong technical leader. Ah, I know where you're going. And and in refinements, in planning, nobody else talks. They always have the answer and it's usually the right answer. So everybody's comfortable with it. And it's done with the best intention of, hey, this is the shortest path for us to get this thing refined and onto planning and for us to go do all of the things. And when I see that happening, I try and educate that person in the long-term effects that are created when a team works like that. Everything becomes very dependent 
and it becomes this bottleneck. And if that person's not there, people become paralyzed. They don't know what to do. We have to wait for that person to be there. So that's not just by a thousand questions. Right, right. right. But there are many people that have heard me on the podcast talk about doing that and on the stream talk about doing that and that I've worked with that are doing that. So again, there's times where this is appropriate and there's times when it's not. So using it the right way when you're trying to get a team to engage more rather than just giving them the answer. So you aren't um, giving them a fish, you're teaching them to fish. So there's times where questions are the best approach. So could we limit it though? Yeah. Like like 10, 20? Well, it, it, to me, there is no number. There is a, there's, is an awareness where at some point they haven't figured it out, and the best thing to do is like, okay, well, here's what I think the answer is, and here's why after thinking through this. So it's a – it's gray. That's the problem. See, I'm, I'm going to – I know it's gray on the number, but – so what I'm, what I'm poking yeah. at, there's honest curiosity. Yes. And then there's feigned yes, curiosity. Yes, Honest curiosity has less numbers. Feigned curiosity is relentless. Yes. Has a relentless nature to it. It's not actually looking. Honest curiosity, in in your example, is looking for team empowerment. Mm-hmm. Feigned curiosity doesn't give a crap about empowerment. It's just trying to get, it's trying to coax people into getting, is to committing to a number yes. or committing to a date. So it is gray, but I think, I think we're talking about apples and oranges. What I'm talking about being gray is the usage of these phrases and approaches yeah. is that there are times where it's like a very sharp sword. It's very powerful or very destructive depending yeah. on how you wield it. So I don't want people to walk away from this episode saying, I'm never going to say that, or I'm never going to no, do that. It's no. understand when it's appropriate and why you would do that. And Correct. don't be a malicious jerk about it. Right. Which is, I've been there. Have you ever, so I'm, I'm trying to resonate with, so yes, you, you've you never, and I have worked with a human Okay. Um, who Death unfortunately, by a thousand questions. Yeah, who unfortunately is no longer with us, that we got into, um, he and I got into a pretty strong debate because we were reviewing sizing. Yeah. And why is so, this this? So why that's is a this case that? of death by, I've right. actually had someone go down a project yeah. plan. Yes, same Like thing. a 1,000 task yeah. project yeah. plan. Yeah. And it's every task right. is going to be questioned. Why is that? And, that's death yeah. by a thousand and, questions. And, and my response after five minutes of this was, I don't know. I trust the team and I trust them because they do it every day. We don't. So if you want me to have those answers, you've got the wrong person. And I don't think we should be spending our time doing this. Right. And then that led to pew, cool. lots of fun discussions. So you've, you've experienced death by a thousand questions mm-hmm. as that, as an anti-pattern for commu- leadership communication. Mm-hmm. What about the bring me problems, bring me solutions? You haven't experienced that so much. I have not experienced it in a in a mishandled approach. Okay. I've Got experienced, it. and it again, it taught me that it taught me to, hey, you're empowered. Like you right. can, like it was always used in that manner with me, which of, is fair. Yeah, which is a positive. So way. that so that's why I have that view of it. But I can completely imagine people leaning on that as a leadership crutch. Cool. Another pattern, and Metacasters, uh, I have a blog that I'm working on on this, and, and we'll let you know. Probably the Metacast will come out before the blog gets published, but we can connect them. Um, and and if you have any more, I, I will steal those ideas and throw them into the blog. So everything is important. 
So this is the the pattern, the communication pattern that there are no it is not one, two, three, four, five. It is yeah. it is everything important. Everything's important, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you gotta get all ten things done. You try to negotiate, Josh, right? right. Josh, you know, read my lips, Josh. They're all important. So as a leader, I'm abdicating prioritization. Mm-hmm. I right my I'm I'm abdicating ordering. I'm abdicating helping do anything on the ordering front. It's just it's all 10 of these things are number one priorities. Yeah. Um, and it's really like a blockade and it's really hard to get through. Have you ever experienced someone? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, like, like that sort of numerous it, times and, and negotiation actually does a disservice negotiate. We're trying to get, I mean, there's no, there's not even a partnership discussion. You know, like you're like you, you're the VP of product and I'm the VP of technology. And we're having this, this tech, you know, this discussion, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out why, right? I'm just mm-hmm. trying I'm actually trying to meet you, but you're you're like not giving me any insights or any wiggle room at all. It's just like they're all they're all number ones and they're all important and there's no flex whatsoever. Yeah, I've had the unfortunate experience of being down that path many times, both in my job and then landing in a new position where that was the norm. So for years, the norm was we did everything. Now you don't see me with my air quotes, um, or as my youngest calls them bunny ears. Um, but we did everything when in reality, nothing really got done, right? There was a lot of busyness and activity, but nothing ever actually achieved the finish line, but there was comfort in activity. So then what we tried to do was refocus on comfort in like achieving things, right? And let's get something done. And usually the first thing that I've done is sat down with leaders and said, okay, I understand we're doing these N number of things. What's the last thing we actually completed? And then get them to really focus on that and begin to understand that they're just running around doing stuff. And that's not actually achieving. So show them the progressing. Yeah. Trying, trying to get them to hit the pause button and refocus on completion and then showing that if we reduce the number of things that we're focusing on that we can then get things done now then that's where the hard part comes in because they're in that position because they have a lack of willingness to either put the time in or to make the hard decisions right of okay items three through eight really aren't that important and here's why here's here's some logic around why we shouldn't be doing those things. That's step number one, figuring out what you shouldn't be doing. Then step number two is going to those people in places where you have been doing those things and you have been telling them that you're working on stuff, whether you were getting stuff done or not, they felt comfort in you doing stuff. Right. So now you have to tell them, we're not going to do your stuff. We'll get to it in a little bit, but not right now. And that's a hard conversation. So those are two big hurdles that leaders are either incapable or unwilling to go jump over. I think the anti-pattern part of this is unwilling, right? Yeah. Uh, And it could be, there could be an unable or unskilled part of it a little bit. But when I say anti-pattern, so there's, there's genres of leaders Mm -hmm. or, you know, gray area. I'm less picking on people who have skill issues because then maybe they can say, I don't know, or ask for help. Right. It's the folks that are, they're always, like it's it's just absolute, yes. right? They're that is the norm, yeah. Right, and that's just that's just you know they 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 spew that out before you can even ask a question. Mm-hmm. 
I like your workaround, though, of showing them progress and trying to connect uh, for that. Do you ever work for a leader? I, I'm trying to articulate this. I call them deflectors, mm-hmm. where they never own anything. Um, it's always someone else's fault. They're always looking for, like, they, they're either looking for blame. You know, who can I blame? Who can I yell at? Who mm-hmm. can I? It's like they don't own. They're a leader of an organization. But they're almost like, uh, remember, who was the, uh, there was a mafia person, they called him the Teflon Don. I don't know. Or whatever in, in New York. And so nothing sticks mm-hmm. to Teflon. Teflon is. Right, yeah. Right. I, I, sometimes I look at you and I don't know if you remember. But no, come on. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. right? It could have been before you were born. So this notion of Teflon. Uh, and nothing sticks to them. Right. And 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 that's. That's actually maybe a meta pattern of what we're talking about here. Like, I can't, you're not going to partner with me or whatever. Um, and looking for blame. Like, who's to blame? Whose fault is that? Who did that? Can you tell me what's, what's going on? Why can't we make the date? Tell me mm-hmm. who. Who's, who's not on board with it, Josh? I, so the most common pattern I've seen with that is in, I don't know a better term other than like secondary leaders. Ooh. So not the not the person at the top, but there's that like secondary leadership group. The middle middle yeah. leadership. Middle management. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like a super common thing yeah. that I've seen where and it's weird because sometimes that's rewarded. So I've seen people progress through organizations that are very good at that, and that's when I'm like, I'm out. Like if that's what we're gonna reward and that's what's gonna be important. I don't want to be in a place like this, you know? Um, but there are places where it's, it's, it's like, it's a slimy move of, I'm going to find a way to have this not reflect poorly on me. I am not actually a team member. Right. I want to understand where things are, are going wrong. Then often a common response to, once I've understood and maybe I've partnered with you air right. quotes again to go right. figure that out, right. I'm going to go talk to the VP or the CEO or whatever and say like, Hey, listen, like here's what's going on. So, and so it's not, so it, so it becomes a gossip game, right? Like that's a gossipy type place where people are doing that. And that often is rewarded by leaders who are unwilling to dig in and understand and really sit down and partner with the leadership group and say, how do we get here? What happened and work right. together to figure out the problem right. rather than just like, Hey, whatever I heard at the water cooler, I'm going to go with that. Right. So then you're rewarding the people that take that approach. I've, I've seen it in middle leadership. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I've probably seen it all the way up the chain, but I see it in, I don't know about rewarding it, but I have seen that. Maybe not intentionally, yeah. but indirectly, it's rewarded. You and I have worked with people before where I was dumbfounded about how these promotions kept happening. That's true. But That's, that, but yeah. then later on, as I learned and I look back, like, oh, I get it. Yeah. So yeah. that yeah. that was the that was the information channel yeah. that said the things people wanted to hear, and then that's how that happened. So that, again, that's when I was that's when I was out. Maybe another one, I want to bet this with you, another one of these patterns is pretending maybe the lack of vulnerability pattern. 
Yeah. Where you pretend you know something when you don't. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. Uh, but you never, ever ask for help. You just keep pretending that you know, keep pretending. And it's not just technology. It could be agile. Mm -hmm. It could be project management. It could be the product. It could be the customers. Yeah. Is you you pretend you know. I actually see it now. I'm thinking about it on the pro, on the customer side. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that think they like leaders who think they know the customers more intimately than anyone else, and very often they're abstracted or something. But they're, they're sort of you latch. It's like I know the customers. So mm -hmm. a lack of. Um, I had it like I called it hubris or not asking for help or not saying I don't know, a.k.a. I can't show weakness. You know, I, ca I can't show weakness as it's a sign of weakness, right? I can't, yeah, exactly. I exactly. can't show weakness. And, 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 and there are some very wonderful people that I've worked with in the past and in the recent past where, I, number one, I really respected them. I enjoyed working with them. They were smart. But... I sat down with multiple folks and said, listen, I think the most impactful thing you could do is incorporate the word I don't know into your vocabulary right. because I've worked with you for however long and you've never said it. Right. And I think that makes it hard for people to connect with you yep. because it's almost like there's an unwillingness to be vulnerable or to not know. And that, and that creates a difficulty in connections. So something that's a powerful thing you can do. And both have received it well and received that feedback. But those were tremendous people that yeah. I worked with and they were fantastic and they were very good at the jobs. They were well respected. But for that next step, as I worked with them, it was like, listen, here's something I think you could do. And I think it could be a game changer. And it's pretty darn easy. It becomes, I mean, people know it's almost a facade. Yeah. And you said something I think that's important. It's the connection. Mm -hmm. Like vulnerability. So, so know-it-allness, mm -hmm. I don't think connects with people. Mm -mm. It's not genuine. We don't, no one knows right. everything. Uh and but so the vulnerability actually maybe it's counterintuitive and that's why it's uncomfortable, but it provides a connection to people, right? They'll connect with you more humanly yeah. at that level, right? I think to me it gets down to how you were raised as a leader and were you raised to always have the right answer? And is that what a leader looks like to you? Is that what the leaders you worked with early in your career look like? Right. So then are you right. modeling right. what came before you? And and, and so without malintent, that's what folks start doing. But it does create a distance between yeah. folks where oftentimes folks that struggle with this, they don't have people that just casually walk in their office and talk and have a discussion yep. and, and they feel more distant and more yep. disconnected from their team than they would prefer. Yeah. And they often struggle with that and are trying to figure out why. And that's often problem number one yep. is that connection's hard because there's never been an I don't know. It's really, it's real. I talk, uh, I'm starting a cow class, a private cow class today, this week. And um, that's some of the things I mean, I actually even try to model that in the class. Mm -hmm. Like I, and, and it's lucky for me, I can make mistakes. So it's not, yeah. so I don't have to force myself to make mistakes. I, I naturally make them, but I try to, I try to model. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I try to model. I don't. I screwed the pooch. I tried to model. Um, help me, right? I try to. I try to model vulnerability in the class. 
um, and I'm trying to show it. I don't think I don't think it connects to people in real time all the time, but I'm trying to get them. I'm, I'm hoping. My hope is that they think about it later on, yeah. uh, and it maybe had an impact on them. It's like, oh, he was trying. He, you know, he modeled that. Or, or something, or asking for help, asking folks to help, or thanking people, being appreciative of folks who chime in when they do help me out and things. Welcome to the Social Justice Minutes. I won't say minute. Uh, again, this is our mid-roll where we are hitting the pause button on the episode and talking about what we're trying to do to support the Black Lives Matter and other systemic social justice issues that we are trying to address, trying to share with you what we're doing and hope that we can model some behavior that you're doing the same thing. So I'll go first today. One of the things that we talked about in the past couple of episodes is I've been seeking support and help for how to talk to folks that I care about, about some uh, historical ways they've communicated that seemed racially insensitive that I just let go. And I think I'm there. I'm at the point, but I'll tell you what, Bob, I'm scared. Right. Why, why are you scared? Just how it's going to go. It's going to be a difficult conversation, but what I'm committing to everybody on this episode is this week I'm having that discussion and I will come back and let folks know how it went, how my emotions were and everything like that. Because every time I get to a point of this is hard, this is scary. I try and put myself in the situation like, okay, that's way less scared, or that's way less scary than deciding, can I, should I go walk down the street? Am I going to be okay? Or is something bad going to be happen because of the color of my skin? So that's always that poke and that prod of, okay, you got to just do it. So that's, so that's where I'm at. There's also some other stuff we're doing at work that I'll talk to you after. I mean, I think from, for me, I mean, I haven't, I don't have a progress thing. Uh, I've been talking to some people, like there's a coach in DC um, that I was talking to about uh, maybe partnering and doing more dedicated coaching for, uh, you know, people of color in the coaching community. Mm -hmm. uh, because we don't have a lot of, uh, yeah, you're right. Agile coaches mm -hmm. is, is a strongly white community. Mm -hmm. And Brandon is, is black. He's an African American. And, uh, but it was funny. I was talking to him and he's like, but all of my friends or all of my work colleagues, not, I don't know who his friends are, but he's like, all, all of the people I hang out with are white too. Mm -hmm. So he's like, he's like, Bob, people are coming to me for these the huge insights into people of color. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like, Yes, I am, but no, I'm not yeah. at the same time. And he's, and he's challenging himself. Um, the, the thing that I'm struggling with is, and, and this is where he and I were talking is increasing my network. So in LinkedIn, I'm trying to reach out to people of color, just even to connect to them. Mm -hmm. So when I say something, it has broader reach mm -hmm. than just white folks or, or something like that. But it's not. It's, it's not that easy for me to do that because it's, it's like extending a network where it's not comfort. It's just, I don't have a lot of. Uh, I don't have a lot of friends in, you know, or acquaintances in that. In that, so I, if I want to reach out, so I think that's the thing that I wanted to talk to Brandon about 
is is how do I? It's not what do I do, but it's how do I how do I increase my network first? Mm-hmm. Is the point? How do I increase my network and as, and then give me people to talk to that were actually like like you know just have these discussions right. with folks who who are people of color so I can discover more. So I can figure out what the needs are. So, for example, I want to invite people. This is a discrete example. I want to invite people to cow classes at lower rates, but I don't know who they are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how do I find them? Uh, and I don't think it's a blanket email. It's like, how do I reach out to them directly? How do I invite them right. to things? Do you think um, there are more? What is going on with your dog? <laughs> this is a tough The medicast is a tough day. <laughs> this uh, is so... If you've listened and you've heard the beeps and the dogs, there's there's some plumbing issues in Bob's house. There's plumbing, and no, I'm sure that's what's happening. And the security system beeps when someone goes in and out of the door, yeah, and then the dogs get we're, fired we're, up. Yeah. So what um, were you going to say? Though? Uh, so there 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 are sizable, significant, strong groups of technologists of color that maybe you could reach out and say, hey. I'd, I'd like to be more effective in sharing what I have with your members. So maybe you group. can share that. See, yeah. I, I just, yeah. I don't, I haven't yeah. seen that in the agile community. There's not. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. In the agile Alliance, like the agile Alliance is. I'm, yeah. It's not agile centric. It's usually technology. See, that's what yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. But I think what we what we do, who you are, what we talk about, we is, can, yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm open yeah, yeah, to any yeah, yeah. group. Okay, that's what I'm saying though. There's yeah. this gap, and I'm running into that gap a lot. Uh, and I and I don't think it's just a white guy in the agile community. Like I said, Brandon mm-hmm. runs into that gap. There's a gap in our yeah. in our industry in this agile centric, you know, coaching training, which is where I which is where I live. Mm-hmm. Right. It's where the Medicast lives for that matter. So, so I think maybe even a call to Medicasters for me, if there's any ideas you have of connecting me to any person of color that you think that I can assist them in any way. And you, you, if you listen to the Medicast, you know what my sweet spot is of areas, then connect, connect me, please. Yeah. And that's been a common theme of every break that we've taken in our episodes is, we are doing the best that we can, but we know the thousands of you that listen to us every month have fantastic ideas. So help us help. Just reach yeah. out and say something. And, you know, I think we've shown with the consistency that we're trying to maintain that we are serious about this and we aren't going to let it fade off. That's that's not who we are. Oh, the other thing we ought to do, I have that Africa. I have a cow class, cow Africa. Okay. Um uh, Maybe we can, I'll send you a link to that. Yeah, do that. And if you could yeah. throw that in the next couple of Medicasts, that'd be kind yeah, of cool. gotcha covered. All right. Okay. Hey, we appreciate everyone. Yep, back to the episode. I have another one here. Uh, I don't know if it's, a, it's partly communication. It's the I'm too busy, i.e. the my work is more important than your mm-hmm. work as a communicator. So I don't have time to communicate with you, right? I don't have the time. Uh, and some of these things interleave with each other. So I don't have the time to learn that right now. I don't have time for this right now. I have to get to a meeting. I only have two minutes. Explain it to me. You have two minutes, Josh. Explain mm-hmm. it to me. Uh, and that's it. Status me, Josh. Status me. Right. Right. So I, I don't – any reactions to that? Ever encounter people like that? Probably not. You're um, – A little bit. Um, but one of the things – so – 
I've been places where we've adopted this readme style where you publish, Hey, this is how it is to work with me. And mm-hmm. here's what it looks like. And one of the common things I see in leaders that I respect that I try and also represent in the readme about Josh is you are the most important thing. See, that's what, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, so those are leaders that I aspire to be like. And so I try and model that same thing. So I do the opposite, but a lot of, the way that I become who I am is because of the anti-mentors that we've talked about. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. So, so, so you haven't had perfect, you've yeah, just said right. that sucks. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, not going to be that, like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. being that person. Yeah. Um, that's, that's sort of where I'm, yeah. I mean, and I've truly adopted the, I, I mean, not adopted. That's I, it is part of me that mm-hmm. people, if they're asking me for help, that's the most important moment right then. Right. That's right. that, that or, or whatever it is, right? Engaging people uh, that I am not too busy, uh, unless it's a personal thing, I'll drop anything yeah. for the team. But right? that's a hallmark of a leader, not a manager, right? Yeah. That's one of those things that you can tell right away what's important. And now there's times where that's said, but not actually practiced. But see, that's what I, I yeah. was just thinking of. Someone, yeah. So there's folks in larger companies. So a lot of these things are company context related. Mm-hmm. Like I think you get more of that in larger companies like state financial firms and things like that as an example, mm-hmm. right? Like hierarchical organizations and someone's been there for 25 years. That's the pattern that they've, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they're, you know, their leaders are more important. The meetings that they have hierarchically up are far more important than, than any interactions mm-hmm. down. Uh, and you've been part of sm- smaller companies. Anything come to mind for you as we've been talking about this? Any anti-patterns, communication anti-patterns that, have, that you've experienced? I don't think that are that different than ones we've talked about. I think the most common thing that I've been bit by in my career is the difference between saying and doing. I think there's a lot of folks that understand what they should say during the hiring process or when you're partnering with somebody, but when the bullets start flying and when things get hard, that's where the true essence of someone comes out as a leader. And so there've been times where I've been disappointed, where I've been excited. Like my mother always interested in my career and what's happening and all that stuff. And I try very hard to separate the two where like work is work and home is home. Um, But she's always asking questions about stuff. And there've been times along the way over the past 20 some years where, where I've changed jobs and, and uh, I'll say, yeah, I'm really excited to go work with this person. And she's like, well, you remember the last person that you were excited to go work with? What happened? So why is this person different? Um, So that, so that's where, um, most of the frustration and challenges has been for me is really getting good at detecting that so and like the understanding. Bull, the bullshit, yeah. Lack right, of a better, but right, folks yeah. who are bullshitting a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's hard to detect that because you have to, the counterpoint is you have to see them in action, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's really hard to see people in action in an interview process. Yep. So you're trying, I mean, you can do some behavioral interviewing or situational interviewing, but. It's hard. I, I like that as a way to, to sort of cap the metacast is um, it's it's the walking. Yeah. Right. It's the walking that counts. A lot of these are talking. These are talking patterns. Um, I have one more uh, and I'll call it problem solving. So 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 the more complex a problem 
the, the, the leaders get pulled into solving the problem as opposed to uh, doing what someone was asking them for or communicating with them. So have you done this? Oh, why did you take that approach? It might be slightly a, a question-based variation, but what they're really trying to do is sort of check the design, check the architecture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Right. And, and this is in technology. I'm, I'm sure it's in construction or whatever. Yeah. Right, where they get pulled into, they lose their leader hat. Yes, and they become doers, and they and they become expert and yeah. doer. Right, yeah. hat uh, in the conversation mm-hmm. without even knowing that that's mm-hmm. that they've sort of translated into the conversation. Have you seen that as well? I, yeah, I have seen that, and again, that's another one of those things where it's a short term win, but long term, you don't actually solve the problem. So it gets down to what do you prioritize as a leader? And I will always prioritize the long game. Always. Yep. No matter how painful it is, I will always do that. So it's not in my nature to go in and just like hands on keyboard start doing stuff. Right. What I will try and do is start to uncover and unravel and and help us discover a way out. But I am terribly uncomfortable when the reason we fix the thing is me. Because that's a terribly um, unscalable, unstable approach. And the reason I feel like that is because that's how I started. So when I first became a leader, that's how I operated. Anytime there was a problem, I would swing in and save the day. And it was tiring and it just, it was ineffective. So I have made that mistake and I have unwound it painfully because there's times where just my nature wants to get in and help. But I got to like smack it down and tell it to go away. I mean, one of the things I'm thinking about is you're not resonating. I mean, it's a good metacast, but you don't resonate experientially with some of these things. And I'm thinking it's it's probably, I mean, you've been lucky in some ways, but it's also who you are, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. I encounter all of these, and I'm I'm not trying to grade them or anything, but I see I see these commonly in in like client cultures and things like that. There's a lot of leaders that do this, yeah. And it doesn't land on you and as much as mm-hmm. it does. Like this resonates greatly with me. I think it was resonating in the Cal class because folks or coaches were really struggling with how do I, how do I get through these leaders? I, I, it's almost like force fields. I'm encountering all of these conversational force fields. Yeah. And I have trouble getting through to them and connecting. Well, that, that, but yeah, that's not you. Well, I, I'm also, I get really fired up about this stuff and I don't like being empowered. So a lot of the things we talked about aren't really empowering people. So as soon as I feel that I'm not empowered to do something, eject button is destroyed, right? Like I'm like, okay, if that's how you are and it's taken me time to really validate that, like, like like I might spend some time like, boy, that's not, I'm not, I don't really like that, but maybe it's just a bad day or whatever. But over time, as soon as I discover that, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's my personal approach. Yeah. Um, because again, there have been times and the hardest lesson for me that has really shaped me was when I didn't hit the eject button soon enough yeah. and I was just terribly unhappy and my wife had to sit down, sit me down yep. and say, Josh, you're not the father you used to be. Your kids have said to me, What's wrong with dad? 
Right. Yeah. So that look you're giving me, that was stab me in the heart. Well, that's what I was twist thinking. The that's, knife. Like, that's like yeah, a heart thing. That right? was that's... like, holy crap. Yeah. What have I done? Yeah. And what I found as I look back is I was, I was fighting so hard to turn this battleship around with like one little oar. Yeah. And I was paddling and yeah. paddling and doing everything I could yeah. because I was unwilling to find a better situation and it was affecting my home life. So I, I learned that, that, that lesson very painfully and it still bothers me to this day um, that there was a period in time where I was like that. So yeah. I fight very hard to never let that happen again. So there are moments in time, but what I've learned is when that happens, the best thing for me and my family is to go find a place where that's Absolute, not a problem. Absolutely. From a Medicast perspective, I'm, I'm thinking for us, we're bad examples because we don't reflect a lot of these anti-patterns. Mm-hmm. But So Medicasters, though, if you're encountering these, what I'd encourage you to do is if if it's, you know, if it sort of synergizes with you, then share them in the, you know, comment to the Metacast. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for things like workarounds, um, I guess what I'm struggling to say is you and I, and, and if this is an ego, but you're not, you're a good leader, mm-hmm. right? You don't play in this stuff. And if you encounter this stuff, you sort of move away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do the same thing. I, I don't think I, I, I mean, I used to years and decades ago, I could, I mirrored some of these patterns, not all of them, but mm-hmm. some of them. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, and, uh, but I moved away and now I'm consulting. So I've even, you know, I, you know, I detect them and I tell people, you know, you need to stop this and they yeah. either do or they listen or they don't. Uh, but if you're encountering some of these things, which is what was happening in the class, let us know, and maybe we can have another Metacast on workarounds or something. Yeah, to me, if there's a a common set that people are wrestling with, and I would love to dig in and provide problems. Part of this is, hey, if you're a leader and you're saying some of these things, are which which side of that narrow blade are you walking on? Are you walking on the good side or the destructive side? Um, so if you've caught yourself saying these things, number one, don't panic. Number two, evaluate the times and the ways that you've used them. And if you, you've used them poorly, that's okay. Just lean away from Yeah, it. Bob just, and I just talked about just the number of times away. that we did it. Yeah. So now adjust. Lean away. Right. Just lean away yeah. from some of these things. That doesn't mean you stop them. Real curious wrap-up question. You know, we talk about what, what do you think the percentages of this is sort of, you know, good leaders, bad leaders, and good is bad, good and bad, but mm-hmm. folks who do this stuff – uh, who don't do this stuff the majority of time and do. I have like a Pareto in my head, yeah, like 80-20 uh, yes, or I've something. I've got the unfortunate same percentage. Uh, it's like an unfortunate and – and I'm actually basing that Metacasters on like my work history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not scientific. I could sit down and put names and things. But, you know, I've I've reported to a lot of folks and I've worked with in organizations with a lot of leaders so I guess what I'm saying is I, I think this is an issue out there, right? So everybody that's out there, take one hand and count the number of really great leaders you've worked with. Role models. You, yeah. You're mirroring them. Right. And, and, and I hope, I hope you can get to the second hand. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I and can't. I just did it in my brain. There's I a can't. there's a roll call of uh, of like I, five is the number. We're like really fantastic leaders that I learned a lot from that I'm grateful were a part of my career path. And it spans 
early career to late career. Um, but it's been like one every five years, someone comes into my life. That's a, that's a career changer for me. And unfortunately those are the numbers. And, and and Bob, that's kind of why you and I do what we do. Yeah. Right. We're, we're trying to up that number. That's, that's really the point. It's not to berate. I don't really, I'm not the judge of leaders. You, Mm -hmm. you, your own judge, Mm -hmm. but it's to set a tone where we can like shine a light, set some inspiration where you would have some self-awareness to get better. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the things I did when I was at first, my first three years of management, no, no, no. no. I mean, I did some awful, you've told me some things, awful freaking things. I mean, awful things. I'm not, I won't, it's just awful. So, uh, and then I grew and, and I worked really hard at it and it's a continuous journey. But that's the point of the Metacast is that is not to, and if you turned off, if, you know, hopefully people don't turn off. Like sometimes I, you know, I, I get a little judgy or I sound stark. It's only because I've been there and it's only because good leadership is important. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. Uh, I, I think I did a, I think I wrote a, a blog about this a while. I think I had like, and these are direct report leaders. I think in my universe, like out of 20 people, mm-hmm. I think like three mm-hmm. were, and I had like the great ones. Uh, and Ralph Kasub, I reported him multiple times. So he doesn't show up multiple times. He mm-hmm. shows up once. Mm-hmm. But Ralph is one of them. So I've had really great ones and role models, like less than a handful. Mm-hmm. Then there's the middle, uh, which were sort of mediocre. Yeah. And then there, and then I evaluate, and then there were some really terrible ones mm-hmm. that I worked that just I had to push. What did you call it? The exit button. I hit the eject button like yeah. with both hands. Yeah, it was just awful yeah. ones. Uh, I think the one that you and I have in common at uh, at Teradata mm-hmm. was was one where I hit the eject button. Well, but that's where I was still evolving who I was, yeah. and I thought I could change. The, I thought I could change yeah. that yeah. universe. Yeah, and I. And I, and again, and you folks, tried your little heart folks that have worked with me, they, they know that if I believe in something, I am willing to keep running into that yeah. brick wall, yeah. bloodying my forehead. And I'm like, yep, I'm going to get it. You know, I'm yep. going to play the long game. I'm yep. going to win. I'm going to yep. win. I'm going to keep doing this and it's going to happen. Yep. Um, but what I hadn't learned is, is the signs of when to focus my energies elsewhere. Yeah. And that's where I, I had lessons I had to learn. Absolutely. And it changes where you're at in your career and things yeah. like that and right. your maturity and stuff. Hey, Metacasters, so some anti-patterns to think about. Uh, be tolerant. More so detect them. Mm-hmm. Be aware of them. Uh, and then look for some workarounds and let us know if we miss some. And I am willing to bet everybody listening to this episode has used one of those phrases lately. Now. Did you use it for good or for bad? Or for bad. Um, and if again, if you use it for bad, that's okay. Improve that. Just learn from it. Yep. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, we're together today. Yeah, I'm buddy. Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.